You're listening to the Boss Business of Surgery series, episode 65. Today, I'm talking with Dr. Kate Mangona. We are talking about medicine, marriage, and money, and how working on these relationships can help set you free. And speaking of money, if you want to talk about money, join us at Become the Boss MD Coaching, because in February, we'll be talking about money, as well as our ongoing discussion of dealing with your difficult partner. Go to BossSurgery.com for more information. Welcome, surgeons. Residency didn't teach us everything we needed to learn to be a successful surgeon. While we spent our time caring for patients and learning how to operate, we didn't learn how to advocate for ourselves or navigate our career. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Vertries. I'm a general surgeon, certified coach, and founder of the Boss Business of Surgery series. This is where you'll learn those lessons not taught in residency. Welcome back. I am so excited about this guest today. Dr. Kate Mangona is a radiologist and I've known her for a couple of years now, um, you know, running the same circles of, of coaching. And, you know, she has a particular area that I, that I would really like her to talk about too, which is, you know, she is the medicine, marriage and money coach. And I mean, she has so many lessons. I don't even know where to start, but I think we'll start from the beginning. So Dr. Mangona, tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey. Yeah, sure. Okay. So I am a pediatric radiologist. Um, I've been in practice. I've been an attending now for, I think my, this is my eighth year. So seven years going on eight. I'm married to a physician as well. So I'm married to a radiation oncologist and he specializes in pediatrics as well. And we have three kids, a one and a half, three and a half and five and a half. I think we're done, but you never really know. We have a poodle. Um, we also are both super passionate about real estate together. We have three Airbnbs. We um, have over 3,000 multifamily doors that um, my husband syndicates and, you know, we pour our money into so passively invest and actively invest. And then I, I, I coach. Coaching became my passion at the beginning of the pandemic, almost three years now. Uh, and I found a love for relationship coaching. I've always been fascinated with relationships, the psychology behind it. Um, like my friends used to tell me, I even used to think I was going to become a psychiatrist. Um, love that kind of stuff. And then I shifted <laughs> to radiology because I also love imaging and love that type of artistic side and just seeing inside of people, um, which is like magic in itself. And yeah, that's, that's where I am today. Just kind of doing all those mom, wife, friend, coach, your radiologist. Yeah. You know, I just had to stop you here in case anyone missed this. You are a radiologist, a pediatric specialized radiologist with three kids and a physician husband and a real estate mogul and an entrepreneur on the side. So, I mean, and, you know, I know that you have this happiness portrayed that I know comes deep within, which is obviously genuine. So clearly you have the secrets to how to do this. And I'm fairly certain, <laughs> I'm fairly certain is in your ability to navigate relationships. So take us through some of your, um, you know, some of the lessons that you've learned. Yeah. My, so my big thing is, is just finding the connection and everything I do, like the, the connection and love, in, in what I do, like, I'm not going to be a pediatric radiologist in a group that I don't like or don't fit in. Like, I love my coworkers. I love the people I work with. And if I don't, I figure out a way to at least respect them or um, figure out a way to, to get more of the connection I'm looking for. Like, I'm a very, I'm an empath. So I feel all of my feelings very deeply. 
And I don't ever want to be, pretend to be somebody I'm not. I feel like that phase was over in middle school, high school, maybe max. Right. But then once I jumped into medical school, like I became me and people just, I was my true colors. I, I discovered that people actually liked me when I did that. You know, my people came to me, the people who I never even paid attention to the others. Right. And so I just learned that that's where I get the most value out of life is that while I'm really connecting with people and we're both giving each other something like, so, you know, I'm helping them diagnose their helping like review their images on their child. And then they're giving me joy because like, they're allowing me, they're giving me that trust to be able to do that. You know, and the same thing with my coaching, these women, they come to me because they feel so stuck in their relationship. They feel like they have to parent a second or third child, you know, their husband. And instead, you know, I try to like, okay, well, do you want your, do you want to think about your husband as another child? Like, why are you choosing to think that if you want him to be romantic, if you want to rekindle that romance and sparks, we're going to have to work on that thought right? Because you can't be romantic with your child, you know? And the same thing with real estate. So because we run Airbnbs, we started out uh, meeting everybody who checked in to our house. And we met amazing people. Like I met football players, NFL football players, um, socialites, like Dallas socialites, big people like lawyers, uh, just, and it was just, I loved it. And, and then just the regular, regular people. And just, knowing um how much joy that brought me i could get through the struggles because yes everything comes with hardships even our airbnbs i've had to kick people out i've had to file a few claims like things have been hard there have been tears shed but i know why we're doing it it provides it provides one level of security for my family and then also it provides other families with a place to stay who otherwise wouldn't have what we offer. Because I know what we offer, you cannot find in many other places in this particular neighborhood in Dallas that people want, like the bubble people who want to stay in the bubble, they want this. I don't know. There may be one other house like in this neighborhood who has this, right? So like, I know what I have is valuable. And then I see the value and, and pretty much everyone else that I invite into my life. And if I don't see that, then you're just, there's no space for them. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think that you had so many, you know, amazing lessons in all this. And the, the first is that, you know, recognizing like, you know, when we're in our own way, we don't actually recognize what's going on. And, you know, when we have this relationship with our spouse, we treat them as like the third child, you know, they, that is just a dysfunction. Like we haven't figured out how to influence that other person and that narrative. I mean, what a harmful narrative that is. I mean, my goodness. Um, and so when someone finds that they're, um, you know, treating their husband or, or feeling like their husband or their spouse is like the third child that they have to take care of, you know, how do you um, approach someone like that in your coaching? Like, what do you, you know, how do you help with that? Yeah. Well, we get, I like to get specific. So I'm like, okay, when did this last happen? And usually it's like, oh, well, like this morning or last night, you know, and they walk me through it. Like, you know, my husband has to be told to put the dishes in the sink. My husband has to be told that the kids need to, the, the you know, the three and the four-year-old need to brush their teeth before bedtime. They need to be told. I'm like, well, okay, 
Why? You know, and it may be your situation may be different. You've got older kids. Maybe it's about um, something else in the house or something, um, errands, whatever. Maybe your husband doesn't work and you feel like you have to constantly tell them to do the things that you think would just be um, common sense if you stayed home. Um, and so we, I just get specific and then I ask why, why, why do you feel like you need to tell them that? Why do they need to do this? Like, why does it have to be do, done that certain way? And that's when the stories come out, right? Because everybody has their own movie and the general, okay. General concepts are great and wonderful. And we love those take-home points, but in order to change your life, to move that needle, to rekindle that romance, to tap into those flutters that you once had, you need to get specific. The other thing I like to do, Amy, is I like to bring them back to why they fell in love. Like, let's talk about that. And that's why, like on my own podcast, I always start out with your love story. Whoever my guest is on my show, I'm going to ask you about your love story because we all like, it's like we just are, the light comes back in our eyes. We think about the days we first met. There was no judgment. Oh, everybody always says this. Everybody says we had nothing to do. We had no, like, maybe we had no money, but we had all the time to just like be with each other. We had little responsibilities. And I find when people are thinking about this, you know, 10 or 20 years ago, you actually did have a lot of responsibilities at that time. They were just different. And we look at it differently now, 20 or 10 or 20 years down the road, because we have little people to take care of, or we take our job more seriously than, than maybe we, we, you know, we want to or need to at the moment. Like we can all, yes, we don't want our patients to die. We don't want adverse outcomes to happen, but do we want to take our jobs so seriously that we're so anxious and overworked and burnt out that we can't do it anymore? You know? So I take them back to this place and then I figure out, how can we recreate that now, you know, or how can we just move, move the needle 1%, 5% closer. And then I really get them to think, I don't tell them the answers. I push them and it's, um, it can be, it can be super fun. It is super fun. <laughs> and they get, they get so, I feel like, um, so overwhelmed with alignment. They're like a lot of my, at the end of the sessions, they are like, wow, you know, like I've just never seen it that way before because you just take them out of where they are, put them on the outside and let them peer on the inside. And they're like, ah, there are 100 other ways. This is yes. not the only way, right? Because when you're telling people what to do constantly, they're, oh, they're, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. That's not going to work. But when they're actually coming up with it themselves and thinking about their past and thinking about what they want in the future, they come up with things. I love how you describe that because I couldn't agree more because I mean, how, I mean, the advice model is a failure in, in general. I mean, yeah. like we have unprecedented access to information and things to do. So why have we not figured this out? 
And, you know, I think that that the way you described it is perfect in that, you know, taking someone outside of their life and letting them like, you know, kind of giving them the camera to look at the, the picture that they are living and they decide what works best for them. And it's really like the only way to genuinely change is to recognize yourself what you what is going to work for you. And because the narrative of us telling people what to do is not working. Right. Yes. <laughs> And just, and I really love this other point that you had too, which is we don't understand why we do stuff unless we consciously think, why am I doing this? Right. Yeah. And I especially love your idea of real estate too, because everyone thinks, oh, you know, real estate, and actually never everyone, but, you know, real estate is just this side gig to get money. And, you know, although that is true, you know, business is the exchange of value for money. And what you have valued is not just the opportunity to do something to get money back, you know, for you seeing the value that it offers, like giving someone a home and because you have the means to it, like this is a way to give back to where you can get something back in return. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think, you know, the narrative of saying like, I'm just going to keep giving and giving and not getting anything in return is the narrative that's hurting us. I mean, this is like, this is the physician narrative, isn't it? And when I'm the owner of these three Airbnbs, they get my personalized attention, right? They don't get necessarily, they're getting, I respond, me and my, or my husband, we respond quickly and we find quality um, solutions, right? Like they might not get that from somebody who's running 100 or 1000 of these, you know, and somebody who's not as invested as we are, because these are our homes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and I mean, I love that the idea that you take it outside of yourself and say, like, I am getting something out of this, but something else, someone else is too. And that's kind of the point of all of this. Yes. <laughs> so that's like, that's why we're in relationships, right? We're, we are stronger together. We are just always, we give, we give each other and then we just create even more bigger and beautiful things in this world. And I love that you said, you know, describe yourself as an empath. And, you know, in the How Women Rise book, um, one of the 12 habits that hold women back at work is, you know, um, using our radar too much. You know, I think as, as women, especially, we have the ability to sense the room and see what's going on. Now, how do you keep, or I think it's actually called being distracted by your radar. How do you keep yourself getting distracted? If you are so empathetic to the things around you, how do you keep those messages from getting too muddied in, in your mind? Oh my gosh, that is a really good question. Um, I have learned, and it, it's actually took me a year or a, a year or two of coaching to figure this out in my own relationship. And I'll just start with like me and my husband, because I will say we are both very passionate um, people. And you know, when we're angry, you know, when we are um sad or you know when we're really happy <laughs> you know and we might be in your face and it might be too much for somebody else which is why me and Victor are together okay so I can sense right like um I can sense that in him he makes it easy right other people might not but I can still sense it when I go to work with my radiology friends who might not <laughs> show it as much right but so when it comes to my husband Okay. Because I can, yeah, his, I might feel all of his, everything that he exudes. I have learned how to, I, okay. What I did in the past, Amy, is I would let it affect me. I, he would get anxious. I'm now anxious. 
he would get angry. <gasps> now I am either angry or I need to fix it right now, you know? So instead now I just let him be anxious. I let him be like, cause guess what? If I was in that same situation, I would feel that same exact thing maybe, or I, I would feel something either something. And I would want somebody to just let me feel it. Right. Like not say I shouldn't feel like when, when somebody says, Oh, don't cry. Don't be sad. Like, no, no. Like maybe I don't cry for, you know, weeks or months or years. I don't want to. Yeah. But I want to be sad right now. And I want you to just know that that's normal and I'm normal. So what I do is I just, okay, let that be right. Try to figure out if I can't, if I can't understand it, that's okay. Can still let let that be, and then I will find instead of becoming anxious myself, I kind of tell myself, okay, everything's going to be okay. Like we're going to get through this. How can I help in this situation? How can I help? And sometimes I'm wrong, like you know. And sometimes we want to go and fix it and tell them, oh well, you know, this is um, this is exactly what you should do to fix that, like. You know, and I'll just give an example. I'm trying to like come up with an example here. Uh, a friend who is always um, overscheduling themselves. Okay, always overscheduling themselves. And uh, they're always frustrated because they're always 15 to 30 minutes late for every single gathering. Okay, and they're so frustrated with self- themselves because they can never make it on time. And maybe their spouse makes it mean that they don't value other people's time, that they don't... Um, that, that they are being um, selfish, right? They're being selfish and they're not being respectful of the other person. Whereas, because I've, I've coached a client like this and she just, she just wants to be everywhere so badly. She wants to give to everyone. She doesn't necessarily pick out her schedule based on her needs. She picks it out based on everybody else's her family, her husband, her friends. She wants to make sure she shows up for them. So she schedules everything so tightly. But then I have her, you know, we are going to be working on that. Like we are going to be working on, okay, how can you show up for your own needs and your family's needs at the same time? Because it's not just one or the other. Um, but say her husband gets upset at her and says, you know, you're, you're so selfish. You you don't respect other people's time because you're always 15 minutes late because you overschedule. And then she's got this problem that's been, you know, and now she feels bad about herself, right? So how can she get to a place of neutrality? Her husband's words, you don't respect other people's time. Like you are so selfish. How can she, instead of just getting angry at him and becoming defensive, um, just learn to accept that that's where her husband is coming from. Like to him, maybe he grew up that way. Maybe he had, uh, a, you know, a military family. They had to show up everywhere in time. They had, um, his mom said, you know, you show up to parties five minutes early, 10 minutes early, because you want to be respectful of other people's household rules. Or So bring that to, so you think about where they're coming from. And then you bring that to, okay, I can allow him to say that without getting upset or defensive. Find the truth. Just find the truth. Maybe there's something. Take ownership. Yeah. Like I do show up late. I'm taking ownership for that. 
you're right. And you may think that's disrespectful. Okay. And then I'm kind of getting deep in the weeds here with this example, Amy. But what I'm trying to say here is that, like, I bring myself to a neutral space instead of just automatically reacting to what their words are, their feelings of hostility or angry. And that takes time. It takes practice and it takes a lot of, okay, evaluating what thoughts are getting in your way. I completely agree. And I, I was resonating with so much of what you were saying too, because, you know, I, we've been married for, oh gosh, 24 years now. And, you know, when you have that connection with another person, you know, you have this automatic influence, you know, them so well, you know, you know, when they're upset, they know when you're upset and, you know, what's, what is felt, you're feeling both of these things, you know, along this connection, but what you're missing is a narrative of why, and, you know, without the narrative of why all you have are these bad feelings. And, you know, what I find is that when you're connected to someone, it goes both ways. Like, you know, when he is upset and, you know, I inquire why he's upset and then I don't, I mean, it's either not my place to, or I don't agree or whatever, then, you know, with that connection, I can kind of like almost, you know, kind of block it and say, you are over there feeling whatever. And I'm just going to be over here, not feeling that. Yes. Yeah. And you can still be super supportive, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like you have to completely exclude yourself from the conversation of the room. Cause the, the idea is not to avoid, you know, the idea is to just allow them to be but also not allow yourself to get sucked into that anxiety or to that anger or to that um, whatever critical thought pattern is, you know, because sometimes we're going to jump back and be critical at them. And that just starts this vicious cycle. Oh, yeah. And I, along the same lines, it goes both ways. Like, so I find myself in this, this, you know, stew of, you know, hostility within myself about something completely unrelated. And then yeah. I look over and he's getting irritated. I'm like, what are you getting irritated? I'm the one that's mad. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I started realizing, you know, because of that connection, he's going to feel like what I'm feeling and he's not going to have any context for it. So then I just, I simply provide the context. Like, give me a minute. I'm going to have my little, you know, hissy fit over here and it has nothing to do with you. And there's nothing you can do about it. And thank you for caring, but I'm just going to sit over here and be mad. <laughs> yes. It has nothing to do with you. That is, we, we just need to put that like up on the wall in everybody's room. Like, like your spouse's emotions has nothing to do with you. Yeah. Your like their reaction has nothing to do with you. Yeah. It doesn't. And then the next step too is that it even if it does have something to do with you, you actually <laughs> you actually don't have to do anything about Maybe it. It doesn't. It has nothing to do with you. <laughs> We'd have to get specific on that, but yes, I I know. I know where you're going here. Well, meaning that, I mean, everything has like its own like context, but at the same time is that, you know, just because someone feels something doesn't mean it's our fault and it doesn't mean we're responsible for it. And, but I think that, you know, first is we just make the assumption, something is wrong, I must fix it. And, you know, I think it's especially true when it's someone you care about, you know, you want to help them and they want to help you. But if it's a context where neither is actually helpful, then it's just simply deciding, you know, I'm just going to let them know, okay, you do you and I'll stay over here and, or I'm going to stay over here. You should stay over there. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And if I'm sad, it's not because you did anything. Like don't assume you did something wrong when I'm just crying. Okay. That's no. Yeah. Completely agree. <laughs>
So I, th I think this is where, you know, like the more your relationship progresses, the more this connection builds and the more likely you are to fall in this trap of feeling the negative things that you don't really have to feel or do anything about. Yes. So take us through, um, like someone knows that their relationship is something is wrong and they're not sure, you know, what would you suggest that they do? Like, how could you help and how can they find you and how does all this work? Yeah. So yeah, if they are feeling stuck, if they're feeling like maybe they're just always getting angry or always getting a little frustrated or always feel like they're yelling or rolling their eyes, um, that's just not pleasant, right? Sometimes we feel trapped in our relationship and we're like, I never used to feel this way. Like I used to be this happy, light person. And now every time I, I, I am in the same room with my spouse or I'm thinking about our problems, I'm just angry. Like that's not that fun anymore. So I always recommend people start with, um, I have uh, a couple places to start. I've got a medical marriage survival guide that goes through the hard subjects, like the hard subjects for some people, parenting, money, intimacy, in-laws, um, and just kind of reading that 18 page ebook and also workbook. And it has some journal prompts, kind of gets your mind thinking in a slightly different way. And then I also have a six-day marriage challenge, which I think is a great jumpstart for people because I highlight, as the Gottman leader, I am a, a Gottman leader. I, I use their principles, the six, the six predictors of divorce and the seven principles for making marriage work. I've created a, a six-day marriage challenge where I go through one predictor of divorce every day for six days so that, okay, you listen to this short 20 minute, 10 minute video. And you, it creates awareness as to, does this predictor of divorce exist in my relationship, exist in my home? And I will tell you, these exist in most people's homes that aren't actually doing the work to prevent them or, right? Because like, if we're not working on, actively working on something, whether it's our appearance, our kid's appearance, our house, our relationship, it's falling apart. Like if we're not constantly having organizers or housekeepers or yard people, our, our house is going to look disheveled. Or if we're not brushing our children's hair, if we're not putting new and fresh clothes on them every day, cleaning their bottoms for them, you know, they're going to look messy and dirty. Like same thing happens with our relationship. If we're not actively working on it every day, and it can be five minutes a day, every week, every month, it's, it's going the opposite direction than you want it to. That's just the law of entropy. So I I recommend this mirror challenge. It takes you through the pre one predictor force every day for six days, creates awareness, and then pushes you forward. Well, how am I gonna, how am I going to change this? How am I gonna take the bull by the horns here and take vision, create what I actually want, design the the marriage and the relationship I actually deserve and want in my life, right? Invite what you want into your life and just poof the rest. I like, I like that. I like you poof it or you just, you could work through it. Like there's a couple different ways. Um, that's what I recommend. And, 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 and just reach out for help. Like there are, like you mentioned earlier, Amy, there are so many resources out there. We don't, it's, it's not about lack of resources when you live where we live and work where we work. It's about, utilizing those resources, finding the ones that work for you, 
which may take going through a couple a day, right? Until you find it on the 100th day, connecting with a couple different people. Ah, she gets me. He gets me. He's going to be able to help me work through my problems, whether that's a coach and a therapist and a counselor. And like, you know, it can be a whole team of people. Like there's a reason I have a nanny and a housekeeper and a yard guy and a guy who comes fixes my gate. You know, like it's not one or the other in my house. It's everybody. I couldn't agree more. And just as you were talking about, that's exactly what I was thinking about. I mean, we're, you know, for us to perform at the highest level possible, you know, what we have to do is start shedding all of the roles that we have and start outsourcing them. And, you know, the most important relationship that we have is the partner that we have in our house. And I mean, of all relationships that we should focus on the most, that is the one that is going to give us the most dividends. You know, that investment of time and effort is going to give us the most uh, in return. And so um, I think, you know, your resources that you offer are so invaluable. Um, So now clearly, you know, I'm sold. So where do we find you? Okay, so you can go to my website, medicinemarriageandmoney.com. That medicine comes first because I became a doctor, then I got married, then I started making money. So medicinemarriageandmoney.com. My uh, 18-page medical marriage survival guide is up at the top. <laughs> and and then on one of the tabs, webinars or how to work with me, you can find my six-day marriage challenge that takes you to, through the six predictors of divorce. Uh, yeah. And you could feel free to reach out to me too. My email's on the website. Uh, I'm the same Kate Mangona MD on, on Instagram. So I am, you also have a Facebook group. I know that you provide a lot of useful information too. So if someone is, you know, even just curious about it. What, what is the name of that Facebook group? Yeah. Same, same thing. Medicine, marriage, and money. And, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that that's the order that you put these through. I mean, but this is each level also sets us free a bit too, right? You know, it gives us something and it sets us free. And so I think utilizing, you know, your message to, you know, create freedom in our life is really something that's really powerful and, and worthwhile. So I really appreciate you coming on and sharing this with us. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on, Amy. All right, Kate. We'll have more soon. I'm sure certain of that. Perfect. <laughs> For more information on the Boss Business of Surgery series, go to bosssurgery.com.